0: A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based, hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine and has some of the best products out there, including their just released 15 and 60 Go boxes. These are durable, stackable dust and watertight storage that's great for organizing and transporting all your favorite gear to and from the field. I actually got to test some of these this past season and put them through the paces traveling from hunt to hunt. It kept my stuff accessible and protected. Practical in so many situations from raft trips down the river to elk camp in the Rockies, it's nearly indestructible go anywhere storage that's now available. Well, everyone, welcome back to Live Wild Podcast. This week, we're going to be diving into part two of effective scouting. Last week, we looked at scouting through the lens of understanding the area. This week, we're going to explore scouting by locating animal populations within a unit. We're going to dive in and analyze it in two ways. One is by looking at where they are based off of sign and terrain. The other is finding actual animals during the scouting mission to locate productive pockets of country to hunt we're also going to cover the best method for scouting out animals, including some of the gear that helps turn up where they are and where they like to be. But before we do that, I want to share the story of a sheep hunt where I banked on scouting to have success. So quite a few years back, I actually drew a very coveted sheep tag in the state of Nevada is for a California bighorn sheep which is a species of a subspecies of sheep similar to the Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep so it's actually a subspecies of Rocky Mountain bighorns and for all intents and purposes this is pretty much a once in a lifetime opportunity now I've actually told this story in the past but I've told various portions of this story and I, I think that today the main takeaway from this hunt is the fact that My intent going into this hunt was I wanted to do the best I could with this tag. I wanted to take the best sheep possible, the best sheep that I could find. I knew that I had a guiding season coming up. The season started at the beginning of September. And so I knew that I might be limited in the amount of time that I could hunt during the season. Now, with a a once-in-a-lifetime tag like this, Limiting yourself is not something that I wanted to do, and and I was focused and committed on hunting this tag, but I also had other obligations, guiding elk hunters in the fall, and and just knowing that I had, in some ways, uh, uh, not as much time as I would have liked. But I also knew that uh, the scouting season of finding out I drew the tag in June at the time— and then I had until September, which was a lot longer period than the actual season was open, which allowed me the opportunity to get in there, to learn the area, to find an animal. And my goal was to essentially shoot the ram that I wanted on opening day. So I was planning on hunting the tag, like up until the hunt using scouting is my hunting time invested in. And when the season opened, be ready to take a Ram and hopefully take the best Ram that I knew of in the unit. So I actually started scouting very shortly after I drew the tag. I I made multiple trips throughout the season. So I made multiple trips in the summer, including uh, right up before the season and then even extra scouting days before the season started. And as I talk about uh, scouting in the, in this series of going from, understanding the area to finding animals to to targeting a specific animal. You can do any one or combination of this type of scouting where you're like looking at the area or you're looking at the animals or you're, you're finding a specific animal. But for me, it progresses generally in that order as well. So this is an area that I'd never hunted in. And so I started out first reaching out to people that I knew that had hunted the area. I actually talked to a biologist in the area. And fortunately, you know, I I was able to find a couple people that were able to to point me out in some good directions, but I I didn't really have a great plan. It was a big area, and I knew that the sheep were pretty scattered, and they could be in some ways nomadic as well. So, like, there's a lot of areas where it was hard to access – and maybe the sheep would move through, move out. So it, it could be a, a, a big challenge. And what I wanted to do is first learn the area. So my first scouting mission, I went out with my buddy, Mike Marchese. We headed out there, and I had the maps. just like paper maps, and I had highlighted a lot of stuff through e-scouting. And essentially, our first plan was just to learn the unit. We traveled around, checked out access points, just like we talked about last week. I was really targeting water sources on this particular trip and just getting a good lay of the land. So I was targeting a few water sources saying, like, is there even water here? So that first initial scouting trip, that's what we did. We, we just wanted to get a good feel for the unit. And on that first trip, I actually didn't see any sheep. Well, maybe I saw – I think I saw maybe a couple of ewes. I saw zero rams. So in some ways, it was a little bit concerning, but it also allowed me to narrow down my focus to a different portion of the unit. And so on my next subsequent trip, my thought was I'm going in here now to really turn up sheep. And I'm going to do a lot of glassing. I'm going to essentially in some ways like start hunting. Like if I'm pretending the season started now, now I'm going to start to try to find Sheep, because I knew places that I, a couple of the places that I ruled out, although there had been multiple sheep killed in there, it wasn't super conducive to a good hunting style of glassing, uh, because it was it was kind of flat and there was like this rim rock canyon where I had to cover a lot of ground and based off of sheep being scattered, I couldn't really pick it apart that well. So I decided to pick a different portion of the area and then there was a couple of places that I just rode off because there, there wasn't any water. We hiked in, I think it was like a six mile round trip to check a couple water holes that were all dry so on my next scouting mission I went to a different area and it was more of a mountain area I had to hike in but I based off of what I learned I could commit to that area and say okay this is where I'm going to start looking for sheep so I hiked in I did a a backpack trip in there actually tents and carried water and, and just tried to get a layer of land and that's when I started picking out use and so i started going okay well this is an area where i'm seeing animals and then i started to turn up rams i actually turned up a big band of rams which happened to be what would become my focus later on for the season because i I started pinpointing a few other areas started turning up sheep And I realized, okay, this particular spot has the concentration of rams. This is where the rams are. This was still summertime. I think it was August. And so I had found an area that was holding a concentration of animals. So I I got to check that portion off the list. Now that I found an area that had a higher concentration of animals, I was able to say, okay, now I'm going to go in here and see if I can turn up a big ram. So my next scouting trip was in mid-August. I'm getting closer and closer to the season. And as I got closer and closer to the season, I started to really pick apart that area where those high concentrations are and say, I want to find every sheep in this particular area and know what's out there. And by doing that, I actually turned up a couple good rams. I found one in one area and then another kind of backup ram in this other particular spot. Then I got right before the season where then I just decided, okay, I'm putting in essentially a week right before the hunt starts to really hone in on all these little pockets and try to find a ram and see if I can figure out what this particular ram is doing. But being able to do that was only because of the scouting of figuring out where the animals were and the concentrations of animals. I think I would have been at an extreme loss had I not really put in that time to figure out where in this giant unit is the best place to actually hunt. There's a lot of country in there that maybe I would have turned up a sheep, maybe not. But there was a lot of unproductive country in there. And it took me a while to figure out this is where the pockets of animals are. And then based off of that, I could figure out what they were liking and then find other places that were similar to that. And I really built out a good network of finding rams and was able to go from an area where I hadn't seen any sheep, struggled to find sheep starting off, to could be able to find similar places and start picking out rams and then focus on a mature ram. And, and it ended up really good for me. Exactly what I wanted to happen, happened. I ended up finding a good ram. Uh, people moved in, unfortunately, on that ram that i have been watching. And they moved in, I, I don't know if they knew that I think they just kind of cruised in there in the dark, like way ahead of time, kind of in a way that I would not have pushed it. But I had known these sheep well enough that I knew where they were going to go. And actually they bumped that ram out in the dark. I was I went about two miles away to a different glassing vantage and picked up my target ram and was able to, to take him. So that was all because of the knowledge I had of how the sheep were moving, where the animals like to be and where the animals were. I also was able to to spend the time to pick out uh, the most mature animal I could find and it happened to be the biggest sheep killed in that unit that year and had been the biggest sheep shot in that unit in quite a few years before and after. So I, I really attributed all the success to that particular hunt, to the scouting and being able to turn up animals and understand what the animals are doing in this particular unit. And that scouting led to success for that season. I think without that, I might've been successful, but I wouldn't have known what the potential was in that area. I wouldn't have known you know, where those animals are going when they got pressured or it, if are particular routes, because I started seeing the same sheep in this place and that place. I'd see them here and then I would see them there and I'd see them here and then I'd see them there, but I wouldn't see them other places. So I really got to understand where the animals and what the population was doing in that particular unit. And it was because of scouting because scouting allowed me more time than the season would allow to really understand the animals. When we're talking about locating animals through scouting, I think that the major benefit to it is something that I addressed in the story of that hunt. And it's that, you know, you might have a, there's certain tags in New Mexico elk tags and they're five-day seasons or t- a week-long season. Uh, the opportunity of scouting allows you to hunt over multiple months, essentially hunt, you know, not fill a tag, but hunt for an animal, look for the animals, do all the activity required. So when that season kicks on, you have knowledge of a multiple-day hunt longer or within a bigger stretch of potential date range than the season itself it allows you to get in the field and you know maybe it's like during the season you've got x amount of time or you've got whatever but scouting allows you multiple months to figure it out in your schedule maybe you've got an open weekend here open weekend to there maybe you have got a week that you could take off that's outside of that hunting season schedule that might be more flexible because of that broader date range though we're looking in areas where the animal population might not particularly be there during the hunting season. But what it is doing is it's allowing you to go out and say, where are the concentrations of animals at where are places that I can look. It's giving you a good idea of what's around, uh, what the potential might be. And next week, we're going to really talk about honing in on particular animals and understanding the potential of an area. But when we talk about scouting and, and looking for animals, sometimes we aren't looking for a specific animal, but we can get a good idea of what that area can hold. So when that season kicks on, right? I see this so many times. One of the areas that I guide in a lot is a limited entry mule deer area. And there will be people that draw the tag. And this is, I mean, my big thing is hunt how you want to hunt, right? Like when you pull the trigger, release the arrow, whatever you're shooting, it doesn't really matter size or whatever, as long as it's a very, hunting is a very personal thing. But a lot of us are applying for tags for years with the hope and opportunity of having a good tag in an area where, It's not like a general unit where the trophy potential is good where you can get an old age class deer or maybe take something that you won't be able to get somewhere else. And so you apply for these areas your whole life and then you draw it and then I see it happen all the time. Guys show up in an area that has very, very good potential, but they don't understand the area. And so when the first decent buck shows up, which might be like, oh, this is an easy opportunity, they shoot it. And not that that's a bad thing, right? But – they also aren't maximizing that hunt to the best potential because when you show up during the season, you go, I don't know, is this the best opportunity and had they known the area a little better, they go, I would have had opportunity like that every single day, multiple times a day. So I could kind of continue to hunt and explore the area knowing that, Hey, if I just want to be successful or whatever that could happen at any point, Uh, I might just want to kind of invest a little more time and seeing what else is out there so that's just one of the reasons where when you go out scouting you start finding animals you go oh this is what this area is all about this is especially when it comes to limited entry tags but this type of scouting can be very beneficial in general units too because it's going to give you a head up on the people that just show up when the season starts it's going to allow you to know okay here's an area that i can go into here's what the populations are looking like this year this is what the animals tend to want to do so When we're talking about finding animals during scouting, we're looking for those concentrations of animals, and we're going to try to use our efforts and tailor it toward areas based on the animal that we're hunting. So I can't just blanket say, okay, this is what you do when you're scouting, because it's going to really vary between elk and mule deer, sheep and antelope. Every species is going to have its own little things. So what we're doing is last week we talked about just understanding the country and that's very important. But once you get a gauge of what that country is, or maybe you only want to go out and try to find the concentration of animals, what we're going to be doing is we can't look at the entire unit. Now we have to pinpoint a few places like we were going into hunting. So we're going to select the country that looks the best based off of whatever knowledge we have. Maybe that was, we got a, a little bit of time to scout and preview the unit or maybe we did a lot of e-scouting. And we say, this is kind of my style of hunting. This is the, the country that I, I'm going to go into. And now we have to approach it like not just looking at the landscape, but we're actually looking to try to find animals. And so it's going to depend on what you're hunting and the time of year. For our intents and purposes right now, we're assuming that we're going into spring and summertime. So I'm going to throw in a little bit of summer scouting. And so summer scouting is a little bit different because, you know, maybe those animals will be there during the season, depending on the season. Maybe they won't. But what summer scouting allows us to do is other times a year, like we talked about, getting out there and learning where are these concentrations of animals are at and understanding that that specific unit's population. So what I like to do is I'm going in there looking for glass advantages and I'm going to be targeting looking in mornings and evenings, especially if it's summertime, those crepuscular moments, first thing in the morning, late in the evening, when those animals are going to be moving the most. I'm going to find those good glass advantages and i'm going to be set up like i would hunting i'll probably have either spotting scope or binoculars on a tripod and i'm just going to be picking apart the hillside really trying to to start to turn up animals now the one thing that we have to think about is you know you, you might be saying like okay well if i'm summer scouting what i do when i'm summer scouting is different than if I'm scouting right before the season or later in the season. So I'm just gonna give a couple examples how you need to think about this. You almost gotta build like a matrix out and say, all right, I am hunting, let's go with this. We're gonna I'm gonna do two examples, uh, one for elk, one for mule deer. So I'm mule deer scouting and I'm gonna go during the summer and I'm looking for deer in the area, but I have an October rifle tag, which is like, let's just call this a general unit. So I'm going to first, I'm looking for animals at this point. So what I'm going to focus on is where the animals are while I'm there, okay? Which would be, I would imagine they're going to be on a summer range. They're probably going to be up a little higher in the Alpine. So that's going to be a place that I'm going to focus my concentration on. Now, I do two things because I know that I'm hunting later, but I want to say, hey, what are the deer doing right now during summertime? This is a really good time to target mule deer because – they're out in the open, they're velvet antlered, they're bachelored up. So it's going to give me a good gauge of what this area could produce. And if there's even deer around, they should actually be the two easiest times to find deer early August and then during the rut. And probably I would say August is probably the easiest time to, to look over a lot of bucks because they're in their bachelor groups and they are, you know, feeding in the mornings, evenings. it can be more patternable, more predictable. But where I find them during August isn't going to necessarily mean that that's going to translate to October. What it does do is it tells me this type of deer is in this country, and it allows me to focus in when I'm hunting and know what's available. Because there's so many hunts where when I have something that I know in the back of my mind, because I've seen it there before, I hunt in a different way. And it allows me to kind of keep my head in the game a little bit longer and harder, knowing that this is potential here. So we're we're looking for deer. We're going to that high country where they're going to be summering and we're starting to, to pick out bucks, glassing mornings and evenings. And let's say I, I find bucks. Now, now I'm going to extrapolate out. This is where the concentration, are. they are in these three canyons, but they aren't in these other ones. So that tells me, okay, when the season rolls around, I'm going to focus on this portion of the area because this is where I've found animals. Now There are animals that move, that migrate, things change. But for the most part, I can expect these animals to be in similar areas. So now I'm just going to say, where would they go in October? Well, some of them might be here but just in these more timbered pockets they may pull down in elevation and they're going to be a little bit more clustered up or at least kind of this direction toward maybe moving making their way toward winter range and by doing that i go okay i know where the animals were maybe they won't be there during the season but i can start to draw out now this is where i'm going to logically hunt and i have in my mind what's potential what's available and where those higher concentrations of deer were while I was scouting. Now, as we add more scouting toward the season, we can adjust and start putting a few of those things into check and saying, does this check out? Let's say that now the example's elk or summer scouting for elk and we've got an archery September elk season. So you am doing the same thing. I'm looking for bulls up high and going, okay, here's some bulls. But what I'm also doing is I might be pulled back and just glassing up areas where cows are hanging out because I know that maybe those bulls that are up higher, if I want to just understand what kind of bulls are there, I'll go look for bulls. If I want to understand where to maybe hunt during the season, now I'm going to look for pockets of cows. And then what I'm also doing is – determining where are these animals during the season that I'm hunting. If it's a rut hunt for elk, I'm really looking for those signs of rut. I'm looking for trees that are torn up from elk rutting. I'm looking for potential wallows. I'm looking not just for the animals, but for where the animals are going to be. So I like to scout in two ways of understanding the animals that are there and finding animals and then finding where the animals might be. The same might go for the mule there where I go, okay, I found rubs in this area. I found old sign in these south-facing slopes that have good maybe sage pockets, but there's no deer in there now. I can regularly assume that maybe this is somewhere that they're rutting where they're coming down later in the season. Now, if I, you've got an area where there might be a potential migrations, but there's also, there's also always resident animals. And if you get the opportunity to scout, you can kind of figure out These are probably the often overlooked pockets of animals, and I've I've done a lot of successful hunting for what I would consider resident deer, resident elk. Elk in areas where maybe other animals move in throughout the year, but let's say it's a winter range, but I'm scouting it out now, and I start to find during the summertime pocket of deer, pocket of elk. Those animals probably live there year-round. It's got everything they need, and it doesn't have maybe as good of summer range, so there's only a certain amount of them that are going to stay there. If I find resident animals, then that also tells me there's something about this area that can hold animals and they like. I can also build that out and say later on in the season, more animals will probably like this similar area because it is a good habitat for most of the year. So as we start to scout different times of the year outside of our season, we can kind of build out this strategy based on here's where I'm finding concentrations of animals, here's where I'm finding good pockets of animals. And that's going to build out into where I can expect to look during the season. Now I might not find those exact same animals if it's a transitionary area, but if I'm in a an area where there's a lot of localized animals where they don't move a lot, where they you know, might be holding those places. I found deer during August and have gone back and killed those deer during October season within three or 400 yards of deer that I found in August. I've also done that with elk where we found pockets of elk during August, summertime, June, July, like where they're still growing out. And then gone back in there in the October rifle season and killed those same bulls in areas where it's like, Uh, actually primarily areas where a lot of elk migrate into and you go, oh, I found some resident herd of elk here and they're just making circuits and they're doing their thing and they're living here. And by doing that, I'm able to understand the elk in that particular area, the deer in that particular area, the sheep in that particular area. And that kind of knowledge, translating it into the season is gonna help me find success because I know what I'm looking for going in. And I know the country that looks the best, but also not just looks the best, potentially houses animals. Now there's another way to think about this too, of maybe you're struggling finding animals because you're, you're summer scouting, but you're, you're hunting later. Now there are times where I'll just go and start to look at the places that I expect animals to be during those fall seasons and really just looking for that sign that they're there during that particular season. Like I said, those rubs during the rut, potentially old sign, good game trails, good bedding like going through those like especially for elk maybe an area that looks like it might have been a bedding area and saying okay is there old sign here that was probably I mean some of it could have been sometimes it's hard to tell whether it was from last hunting season or just during the spring calving or whatever but is there sign that looks old where it's like it's been there for about half a year a year and I can maybe go back and start checking these areas later in the season so when we think about finding animals, finding concentrations of animals. The goal here is to really understand what do the animals do in this area and where are the pockets while I'm scouting and where are they going to be? And if we can add those two things together, we can really, in some ways fairly quickly, build out a good idea and a good hunt plan of giving us more confidence going into the season of places to look and, and start that hunt, especially if we've got limited time or it's a short season or we've got a very rare opportunity with a tag and we wanna make the most out of that tag and we can use other times a year to take time off to go investigate the particular area. Now, another thing I wanna touch on is timing of scouting. So I'm talking about this podcast early, we're talking about scouting early because I wanna give people the opportunity to kinda get some of these things in their mind before, like during the summer season. So you have multiple months to maybe make it out and do a scouting trip. The other thing is there, there is this timing issue of we're talking about, okay, we, maybe we've got some summer scouting, but let's say you've got a November, late November deer tag. So there is that timing issue of the closer to the season, the more accurate the information is going to be, but the harder it might be to find what you're looking for. If we've got an October deer season and we're going to go scouting right before the tag, it might be a hard time to find deer. So it won't give us as good of an idea as maybe going the best time to look for animals. One thing that I used to do a lot in an area, let's say I, was, I had a late season elk tag, I would go during the rut when it was the easiest time to find elk, when elk were bugling and other things, to really understand the animals in that area, to get a good look of like, hey, what what are these elk doing? Uh, the, one of the first limited entry rifle tags I drew I thought, I was like, okay, I don't really know what to expect in this area. And I knew that late season, it could be hard to turn up bulls. But I went in there during September and was like, I could just hear bulls bugling everywhere and could throw binoculars and spotters on them and be like, oh, okay, this is the potential for the area. This is is what's around. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But as the timing changes, so does what we look for. So as we get closer to the season, we can have more faith in what we're looking at is going to be there when the season rolls around, but it might be a harder time of year to find what we're looking for. So I like to think of scouting in a couple different ways. As I scout further out, it gives me a better idea of maybe what's around based off of you know the potential of the area. As I scout closer to the season, it gives me a better idea of the exact places to go and the concentrations of deer during the season. And so that's one way to think about scouting is the timing of it. And you got to think, okay, what kind of tag do I have, and what are the things that I really like? What's important to me when that tag rolls around? So, if you're if you're going into it, going like, okay, I'm just looking to be successful, but I need to figure out where the concentrations are during the unit. I would probably go during the best time to find where those animals are at. Um, now they will move off, they will disperse, but figuring out at least what portions of the region have good concentrations. Now, if I've got a season that maybe it's a short season, I'm going to probably like, and, and I could devote a little more time to it. Then I'm going to go scouting a little bit closer to the opening date where I go, Hey, I get additional days of hunting because it's a short season and I'm using those additional days as, as scouting days. I'm going to go out in the field and I'm going to try to figure out where are the animals at when this season kicks off, where do I want to be opening day? Cause I've got a five, I've got a seven day season where do I want to be when that opening day bell rings? And I want to figure that out before it starts. So I'm going to go in there right up, maybe even three, four, five days before the season and plan on doing a scouting or maybe a couple weeks before where at least it's that real-time information. So when that season kicks off, I have a good understanding of what those animals are doing and where those populations are for when opening day hits. I say it nearly every podcast, I feel like, or every... It's like... 90% of the animals are in 10% of the country. There's a lot of good looking country that just doesn't house the animals for one reason or the other. And one of the ways that I find more animals is understanding an area and where the animals are, what's there that they might like and finding other places that match that. It's a tried and true hunting tactic that's caused a lot of success for me. So... By doing that and being able to scout closer to the season, finding those concentrations of animals helps me find more concentrations of animals later on and when that season kicks off. So when the season rolls around, I'm ready. I have knowledge. I understand where the animals go, how they're moving, what particular spots are holding and what particular spots are not. And that way during the season, I can make the most effective use of the time that I have. Now the last thing I want to touch on when it comes to scouting is just some of the gear involved. I think that when you're looking for animals, you're really just kind of running your hunting setup, but I definitely go optics heavy. If I was going to maybe do a backcountry hunt, maybe I wouldn't go as optics intensive because I I know that I've got other things that I need to bring that are hunt specific. When I'm scouting, I'm really just camping. I don't have a gun, I don't have a bow. I've just got optics, sleeping situation, whatever. So I can carry more in optics and I often do. I'll generally bring a good big pair of binoculars, tripod, and spotting scope. Another item that is really good for scouting purposes is a window mount tripod. Like, so you can attach your spotting scope to the window of your truck. And you're like, there's a lot of, I would say, actually, I can confidently say this. Most big animals that get taken every year are from guys spotting them from their vehicles. And you're like, that seems like a lazy way to go after it. But it's because, you know, most guys and outfitters in trophy units can cruise the area and really understand where to look. And they're just looking from afar. They're just, they're really just trying to look over as much as possible to find one particular thing and then focus in on that. And so, you know, being able to, whatever you're like, if you're previewing an area you're covering country and you're just scouting you're like i need to learn the lay of the land but i also want to start looking for animals it's a good way to do it where you can get to a van you go okay i i've got this boom pop it on i'm comfortable i can look and then i can move on you're, you're just, you, you aren't hunting. You're looking for a place to go hunting. And so being able to do that efficiently, effectively, the more glasses on the mountain, the more chance you have of turning up those spots. And so it might mean that, you know, you've got a spot and you go, Oh, you throw up your binos, you're driving around. You're like, that looks like a cool basin up there. And it's a mile and a half away. So to get out to, you know, you might just need to take a quick glance at it and to be able to do that efficiently, a window mount, uh, makes all the difference. When I'm scouting, like I've got my spotting scope. I've actually got a Vortex spotting sco- tripod and window mount, and it's the same, uh, what is it, uh, Arca Swiss plate. So I've got that window mount there, and then I've got the spotting scope in the truck, and then when I go for a hike, I just swap that spotting scope into my backpack. But it's for that, I just need to take a little look at that little basin up there. Or, you know, it's not worth... Like I think if you – I've done it where you got to get out – you get out of the truck, you grab your tripod, you set it up. It's like sometimes you just need to take a three-second look at something with your optics. For scouting purposes, that thing, I don't know. It's, it's very, very efficient as I'm moving and just like checking out new areas. And then the other tool that I think is very controversial but I think it needs to be talked about is trail cameras. Now, guys in the east or whatever midwest are like how is this even controversial everybody uses trail cameras but out west it's a little bit different right a lot of the trail cameras the best place to place a trail camera is on a water source in arid places those are very limited you might have a limited entry tag with i don't know 20 tag holders but they're all trying to find the best deer in the area. And there ends up being a water source with 20 cameras on it that gets checked by 20 different groups of people that actually impacts wildlife in a very negative way. And because of this abuse of it on public lands and other places, a lot of states have actually start to ban them. And then you get the issue of fair chase, whether it's fair to, you know, you've got cameras that send a real-time image and whatever, does it take away from, you know, the hunt itself. Aside from all that, they are a very good tool, and I think that we should talk about it, whether you choose to use them personally or not. Me personally, for a very long time, I did not use trail cameras, and I actually can't think of that many hunts where I've maybe pronghorn hunts, but I don't even know of that many hunts where I've actually, I don't know, me personally, have had benefited from a trail camera. What I do like to do with them is just kind of understand the movements and patterns of animals. Now, you can definitely use them to target specific animals, and we can talk about that next week. But just understanding, I've learned a lot just being able to have something out there to watch wildlife and understand what even goes on. And I like having them out in times that aren't even around the hunting season. Like I'll leave them out in the wintertime, summertime and go, what are these animals doing? And help me understand this area a little bit better. Like I've talked about this before, but I found some like really good spring bear hunting spots based off of cameras that I left out over this when I was actually just trying to like catch wolves and see if there was moose in the air, just like randomly just for not even hunting really just to kind of see what goes on throughout these times of year. And I realized, I was like, wow, bears like to soak in these things all summer long. I didn't realize how much they doused themselves in, in wallows outside of, you know, during the summer months and the hot months. And I didn't realize how many bears were in particular areas. Like it just surprised me. That's a little bit of a, A rabbit trail, but trail cameras can be extremely effective at, you know, giving you some opportunity to look over the area or have some kind of intel based on time that you're away. You could go and do an early season scouting mission. You could say, Oh, this is a cool waterhole, wallow, whatever. This is a good trail. Put up a camera, and and maybe I can go back another scouting time later, so long as cameras are legal or for the time period that they are legal and get some of that intel. You know, there's certain states where they have to be out by a certain date. Um, Nevada's August 1st. There's, There's hunts that start on August 1st, but there's other hunts that you might be hunting way later in the season. So you can use it to just say, what are these animals doing in this area? Where's the concentration of animals? What's, what am I like, what's going on when I'm not here? And sometimes they work out, sometimes they actually hurt the hunt. I've had so many hunts that have been ruined by trail cameras because you get a picture of something. You're like, oh, that's what I'm focusing on. And he's not, he hasn't been there for uh, forever. Sometimes they can definitely be a huge advantage as well. But it's another tool for scouting and it's saying like okay here's a way that we can look over the area find concentrations and maybe check out a a spot that i don't know i i want to see if this is even a place worth looking into so you can go in there you can drop that camera you can go pick it up later and say cruise through those images and say ooh, there's a lot of elk here oh there's a few elk here there's not very many elk here and that might tell you something it might not depends on the type area and the you know They could just be watering 50 yards away and you never catch them on the camera. So it is what it is, but I think it's definitely worth talking about as an efficient tool when it comes to scouting. Because what we're doing is we're trying to figure out and learn the area and say, where are these animals at? And I've used them a lot of places now. I think one of – I'm actually – I've got a scouting trip this summer where I don't even know if I'm going to be able to hunt the season. But I want to kind of – I found a spot last year that I thought was really good. And I want to go in there and just see what's up. And there's a couple of places where this summer I'm going to scout. I'll put some trail cameras in units that I'm not even hunting, but I'm I'm thinking about hunting in the future. Because, you know, you never know. Like you see a trail camera, you don't know why it's out there. For me, sometimes uh, there's a couple. I think like realistically I might draw a a sheep tag in the near future in a few areas. And so there's some areas that are a little easier to draw for me. And I kind of think of it like – I don't want to go in there with no knowledge ahead of time. I kind of want to go and and maybe I'll apply for this next year or the next couple of years, but I really want to build a baseline of what might be in that particular area. So if I do draw it in the next three to five years, I've already got scouting knowledge of three years, not just one year. Whether I've got the tag or not, it's just good knowledge to have, and it helps me understand the animals overall and what they're doing and what they like and just whether I draw that area or another area can only benefit me just by gaining that extra knowledge. I think that you can never go wrong gaining knowledge when it comes to hunting. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that section of scouting. Next week, we're gonna dive more into picking out a particular animal. So some call it trophy hunting. I think that that label, I I don't really like the label of it because anti-hunters have used it for something that it's not. But I think that you know, being selective, being a selective hunter, can be a way that you learn a lot about animals. You can increase your hunting skill and it allows you to make the most out of a really good tag. There's a reason that we apply for some of these limited entry hard to get tags. It might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. And in my mind, I'm looking for that once in a lifetime type animal. So I enjoy the process of trying to find the best animal I can and then targeting specific animals. It's a cool way to hunt and it's a very efficient way to it can be a very efficient way to find something that you might not find during the season. It can also lead you to other spots that you might find something that you've never seen before, but through that scouting and targeting where big mature animals live leads to other big mature animals because there's something about that habitat that allows for age class, allows for good feed and good genetics. So you don't know what you might find when you start to pay attention to those things. And we're going to talk about that next week one of the companies that i have been very fond of over the years and definitely has some incredible products out there vortex optics you know we talked about scouting and i think that optics are one of the if i was just to list off the things that are most important when i'm out whether it's scouting or hunting optics is always at the top of the list because it's so integral to my success my optics are always on my face i'm always using them i think that you know there's a reason that I stress getting good optics, having those those options, especially when you're scouting and going optics heavy, because it aids in the finding of what you're looking for. A lot of the stuff that I've talked about you can find on Vortex website, but one of the things that I'm really excited about is their Vortex Nation newsletter. So what it is is essentially access to just their exclusive content. You get a first look at some of the new product launches I have been field testing a couple of items this year that I'm very, very excited about. So I can't, exactly divulge what those are yet but if you're a member of the Vortex Nation you're going to be the first to find out about these things as well as like tips and tactics there's some subscriber only offers so some discounts and deals that are just for the subscribers so i definitely think it's worth it and then the other cool thing is you're going to see some videos with me in it on there so if you sign up for that i've got some cool hunts that i've done with them we've got some others planned in the future They've got some great podcasts on there. If you enjoy the podcast, I talk about, I've done quite a few in the past of some of my favorite guns, some quick hitters on elk calling, choosing elk calls, all that stuff, part of the Vortex Nation. Super easy to sign up. Just vortexnation.com, vtxnation.com. So... It's pretty easy to find, it's free, and there's a lot of benefit to you guys as well. That's one thing I love about Vortex is they're always providing so much for their customers and the hunting community. And this is just another thing that they've got that I think has a true value to people that are saying like, oh, there's, uh, they've got courses and classes that you can sign up for through that. There's just a lot of really cool stuff and I'm really excited about that. So vtxnation.com, you can check that out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, until next week, I'm going to say, "Go find, go find the animals. Why not? It's a good time to do it, right? <laughs> Scout them out. Oh, An accidental uh, awkward goodbye that I really liked. Scout it out. Catch you guys later.